Mexican invasion! All right, good morning, good evening, wherever you are around the world. Here is another edition, Season 2, Episode 2, Evasion of the Weird. Today I'm joined by my co-host, as always, my partner in crime, my partner in the men in black, the G-Man. Howdy. This is your host, Agent H. Today we have a special guest joining us, kind of the office intern, Boogeyman Bob. That's me. So, you know, it's been a long time coming. It's been a lot of a requested episode. Here we are getting into it. We've been putting off for a while, but it's time we finally dive right into it. G-Man, what's today's topic? The Mothman. This is a topic I'm very excited for. I'm talking passing back and forth about making it happen. There's a couple stories about the Mothman, a couple sightings, a couple theories on what he is, who he is, and a couple stories of the agency being there. All right. So, starting off today's episode, a little bit of a Mothman fun fact for you. So, the name Mothman was actually inspired by Batman because some of the reports said the thing looked like Batman, especially those where the Mothman creature was sighted huddle on top of your neighbor's roof. He called in the local sheriff's department and said, what are you looking at? And I was like, I don't know. Uh, I'm looking at Batman. So, when the sheriff gave a press conference later, the issue at the time was Batman versus Killer Moth. Slam those two things together, gives you the name Mothman. But he's he's more moth than man by every description. Tell me that's where he got his name? Yeah, as uh, things tend to go, whichever way that the uh, reporters try to inflate this, kind of run away with it, is usually what sticks. Like, as we talked about in a previous episode, the 1947 flying saucer case with kenneth arnold the name flying saucer comes from the fact that kenneth arnold described how the craft moved as if they were saucers skipping on the water from then on out ufos were termed flying saucers okay i kind of see where you're going with that i guess every big description that we've had is that it's a dark shadowy figure with large wings so it could be considered a moth but it's also got those big glowing red eyes well, and that's just, the only feature that you could really see in every story that I've heard. Just to keep on the theme of the paper names, the monster, whatever they're going to name it, and that's the name that sticks. In the 1950s, when Ray Wallace had those tracks in Northern California of the Sasquatch, the paper dubbed them from the Bigfoot because of the big feet. And since then, we've been calling Bigfoot Bigfoot. Got it. Another Mothman fun fact. You ever seen the 2001 slasher classic uh, Jeepers Creepers? Heck yeah. Yes, I have. That movie itself is loosely based off an amalgamation of the Mothman, the Jersey Devil, and uh, the Spring Hill Jack, which I think, getting into this, might be pretty thematic as far as what my research has taken me to see looking into the Mothman. Despite uh, Mothman having many terrifying stories about him, did you know that the Mothman has created a cult following around himself as a good time, fun having cryptid, such as memes as Believe in the Power of the Mothman, 
the Mothman remix of YMCA and the ever so popular bumper sticker Mothman ate my entire ass at Denny's. You know, I've actually seen that bumper sticker in real life. Yeah, I know. It's an extremely popular bumper sticker. Since uh, we do have that Instagram page, one of the things that our page follows is the hashtag Mothman. In the honest attempt to get new news, get some new research going. But for some reason, one of the things that keeps popping up on hashtag Mothman, somebody keeps drawing pinup lady Mothmans <laughs> who are, <laughs> let's just say, voluptuous, if not plump. Yeah, Mothman really is just here to eat your ass at Denny's and uh, steal your lamp. Are you going to post those pictures or what? We might share them. Dude, just go to hashtag Mothman. I and I swear, there was, there was a chubby moth chick in a bikini with stretch marks. Stretch marks? Done in like classic American tattoo style. Oh, do not worry. I am looking it up yep, right um, now. I'll send so it to you through so the back I. channels there, uh, Boogeyman. Yeah, Boogeyman, Bob, we keep going down this path and we're going to get our uh, <laughs> Academy internet access revoked. You weren't lying. There's a good amount of sexy Mothman. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, it's, it's one thing to say. You go from horrifying creature of nightmares to pop culture icon to now questionably a sex symbol <laughs> yeah mothman's a bad bitch all right in all seriousness getting down to the meat and potatoes of this what hold do on real know? quick real okay, quick okay, real quick uh if you look at mothman hashtag mothman on instagram you will find somebody's kick-ass tattoo of mothman hitting a kickflip what i'll send it to you through the back channels there uh boogeyman yeah, Mothman is nothing if not radical. I've learned so much already. You, that's why you're our favorite intern. Why do you think we let you in on this? Yeah, Boogeyman Bob, <laughs> as the intern, you're going to get yourself a crash course encrypted. Oh, why does Mothman have a garter belt on? Why not? Yeah. All right. Actually, somebody, somebody sniffed that. That's going to be our new uh, tagline. Invasion of the Weird, the crash course encrypted. All right, copyright right there because I said copyright. It's copywritten now. Yep, that's how the law works. <laughs> All right, G man, can you get into a general description of the horrifying creature that is not in any way sexy, the Mothman? I don't know if I can describe him without being sexy. Now, all right. So, typical Mothman description is a large, jet black, shadowy creature that is only discerning features. Or its extremely long legs, massive wingspan, and big glowing red eyes. Uh, there are other descriptions that make it more moth-like and other descriptions that make him more man-like. It really depends on the sighting. Uh, we can put some of that off to delirium. A lot of people have des described him as a large moth or uh, even owl-like. And I've also seen some that says... Not to be too on the nose, but I've seen Fallen Angel in my research a couple times. 
Yeah, just to piggyback off that, the kind of description I've written down here, Mothman is generally claimed to be about six to eight feet tall standing, but with a wingspan well over 10 feet wide. Like Always Shaq. said to be a dark color, often described as a gray or a black, rarely a dark brownish color. Sometimes said to be without a distinguishable head, but is always considered to have two large red eyes. And consistent reporting of the creature is that it has difficulty walking on its legs. When on its feet, it walks in a shamble. But while in the air, the creature said to be able to fly over 100 miles per hour to keep pace with fleeing cars of terrified teenagers. Another thing that comes up quite often in these first-hand reports is that anybody who sees this creature gets the feeling that is not of this earth. Yeah, that sounds just about right there, uh, H. Uh, I've seen a couple consistencies about Mothman sightings, and it's almost always feelings not of this earth. Terror, obviously, and consistently every Mothman sighting has been linked up with a string of bad luck or a major catastrophe. So next I'm going to hop into the first main recorded sighting, kind of kicked off Mothmania, if you will. Mothman mania, Mothmania. In my research, I found that there have been reports of flying creatures. You get back into ancient Mesopotamia, some of the old pagans where there are these flying creatures called the Lords of the Air, and with them they would bring pestilence and plague and other downright awful things. But in America, there was a thing called the belled buzzard, which was a large black bird with that made like a ringing noise. They thought it was a buzzard with a bell on that would be seen before catastrophes would happen. So I don't know if it's just seeing things through the frame of being an old-timey 1800s pioneer where your frame of reference is different, where you don't see it as a mothman, you see it as a belled buzzard. But some of those reports are very similar to the ones that we got first in 1966 in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, by Roger and Linda Scarberry while they were on a double date with Steve and Mary Millette. Do you know much about this case? Do you want to give a background to the area they were in when they saw the Mothman? All right. So from what I know, out in West Virginia, Point Pleasant to be specific, there is a small town where the majority of Mothman sightings have been taking place. There's not not a lot really going on there. It's, It's just your normal West Virginia, not quite Appalachia, but rural enough. Uh, I'd say I'd say small city. They have had a string of bad luck when it comes to Mothman. They kind of have capitalized on it and turned it into a tourist site in the uh, past couple of years. I know that there's a theory about their old TNT area over there, which is currently known as the McClintic Wildlife Area, and that. After Mothman was sighted, we did find some Geiger readings in that area from the old TNT factory. It could be a radioactive spillage. You know, G-Man, believe it or not, I actually have the newspaper clipping 
from the Point Pleasant Register, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, from Wednesday, November 16th, 1966, which details this first well-known Mothman encounter. The well-known one? Like the bridge or? Oh, we'll get to the bridge. Okay. This this encounter sets off 13 months, and I mean exactly 13 months of terror in that small, sleepy West Virginia city. So, from the Point Pleasant Register, Wednesday, November 16th, 1966, it was a bird or something. It definitely wasn't a flying saucer. Two Point Pleasant couples said today they encountered a man-sized bird-like creature in the TNT area about midnight last night, which will put it at Tuesday, November 15th, 1966. Sheriff's deputies and city police went to the scene about 2 o'clock this morning, but were unable to spot anything. But the two young men telling their story this morning were dead serious, and they asserted that they hadn't been drinking. Steve Mount of 3305 Jackson Avenue and Roger Scarberry of 809 30th Street described the thing being about 6 or 7 feet tall, having a wingspan of 10 feet and red eyes about 2 inches in diameter, six inches apart. It was a man with wings, Mallet said. It wasn't like anything you'd see on TV or in a monster movie. The men and their wives were in Scarberry's car between 1130 and midnight when they spotted the creature near the old power plant adjacent to the old National Guard armory buildings. The creature was seen standing on three occasions and was described as being extremely fast. Quote, it flew about 100 miles an hour in flight, but was clumsy as a runner. Deputy Millard Halstead said he had been he had seen dust in the vicinity of a coal field, but it could have been caused by a bird, he said. I'm a hard guy to scare, said Scarberry, but last night I was getting out of there. They did just that, but the thing followed them. They said it was hovering over the car, apparently gliding, until they reached the National Guard armory on Route 62. We went downtown, turned around, went back there, and there it was again, Mallet said. It seemed to be waiting on us. He said the light gray-like creature then scurried through a field that also had flown across the top of the car. It apparently is afraid of the light, Mallet reasoned. And maybe it was scaring us off. The young men said that they saw the creature's eyes, which glowed red, only when their lights shined on it and it seemed to want to get away from the lights. They said it looked like a man with wings, but that the head was not an outstanding characteristic. Both were slightly pale and tired from lack of sleep during the night following their harrowing experience. They speculated that the thing was living in the vacant power plant, possibly in one of the huge boilers. You know, there are pigeons in all those buildings, Mallet said, but not in that one. If I had seen it while by myself, I wouldn't have said anything, Scarberry commented. But there were four of us who saw it. They said it didn't resemble a bat in any way, but it was what you would visualize as an angel. The last time they saw it, it was at the gate of the C.C. Lewis farm on Route 62. They heard a sound like wings flapping, and they said the bird rose straight up like a helicopter. This doesn't have an explanation to it. Mallet said. It was an animal, but nothing like ever we've seen before. Are they going back out to look for the creature? 
Yes, said Mallet. This afternoon, again tonight. Today, said Scarberry. But tonight, I don't know. That right there is a terrifying story. I think, I don't think it was just written to be convincing. I think that was just verbatim what he said. I, I believe his conviction in it. My favorite part of this story is that if you visit Point Pleasant, West Virginia today, there's a Mothman Museum you can go see. Kind of one of those local monsters that uh, really has an effect on their local economy. But they have the actual original copies of the police reports that these two couples gave. They saw this creature, went straight to the sheriff's office. Sheriff then literally separated them into four separate rooms. They gave four depositions. All cooperated 100%, whatever all the, all the other ones are saying. What do you think, Bob? You said all of this. You said the uh, the police reports available. Is it public or is it just from there? Like, are you are you able to see the whole police report online? I'm sure with enough digging, you can. But I, in my research, I saw that they have the originals on display, written in live ink at the oh, okay. Mothman Museum, written by the sheriff's office themselves. Wow. No, that's that's absolutely insane. I I just don't know what to say about it, really. Yeah, that's uh, scary. And then there's there's other attempts at it, and I think that one of the biggest things that really stands out to me, and stop me if I'm wrong, H, but they used the word that it was how you would visualize an angel. Uh, do you happen to know of any uh, theories behind something to match up with that you know you know i do i uh i called you last week to get into a theory that i don't think i've really heard anybody else talk about it might be breaking here on invasion of the weird but uh we'll see if boogeyman bob there thinks it's as groundbreaking as i do i i I thought it was solid and i think that's why we should be sharing it with the public let's hear it yeah i'd like to let's get into some more Mothman sightings and some more ground-based things before we get into our wild theories on what this could be. The wild original theories that might actually have something to do with it. All right. Well, let's talk about the Silver Bridge. Let's get there. So here's the thing. You ready for this? It's going to blow your mind. Okay. As we were just discussing, when was the first Mothman Siding with the Scarberries and the Mallets. November 15th, 1966. Right. And then you go 13 months to the letter, and it would be December 15th, 1967. Exactly. The date of the Silver Bridge collapse. And this was the last major Mothman sighting for a long while. Crazy part about it is, is with those 13 months, which is... Famously, the unlucky number, a whole string of bad luck across the town and terrifying events. Yeah, I uh, saw, sorry to cut you off there, but I saw reports of everybody's dog going missing, people finding dead animals everywhere. There was a report that Mothman had broken into somebody's house and tried to steal their baby. I, I, did, I did hear the story of the uh, woman that 
defended uh, defended her house and baby from the Mothman. Yeah, tell but Cobra Kai that this lady figured it out first. You got to sweep the legs. Sweep the legs. <laughs> strike hard. Strike first. No mercy. That Mothman. And again, but not in the sexy way. Yeah, and again, the the name Mothman comes from a police report where somebody called in to the sheriff's office and said, I think Batman is on my neighbor's roof. And this all culminates in a rash of sightings of the Mothman hanging out on the Silver Bridge that crossed the Ohio River to get back into Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And unfortunately, right. 13 months to the day from the Linda Roger Scarberry first sighting with Steve and Mary Mallet, after that last Mothman sighting, the Silver Bridge collapsed into the Ohio River, killing 46 people, and to still to this day is among the absolute worst bridge-related disasters in the U.S. Absolutely. So let's let's talk about the bridge for a second. When it comes to the design of the bridge, we know that it was structurally sound. Uh, however, this bridge only survived about 39 years until its collapse. We know that it was structurally sound because we had been building the same I-bar style bridges for over 100 years, uh, about 100 years. Uh, they're typically constructed with redundant bar links uh, using four to six bars and sometimes several uh, chains in parallel. And that'll create the suspension bridge that it is. It's is. It's got enough load to be held to be able to carry, I want to say, bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic jams. And that's including Model Ts that were 1,500 pounds. And uh, I think the maximum permitted truck was about nine tons at the time. So it's it's a sturdy bridge. Just to play devil's advocate on that one, the the bridge had a critical Achilles heel. It lacked redundancy. It did lack redundancy. However, it was extremely high strength. Do you know which section on that bridge failed to cause the domino effect for the whole bridge to fall? Go ahead and tell me, bud. The 13th. Exactly. Is that we true? have... That, that's 100% true. It's a weird coincidence. We know that 13 is an unlucky number. We know that 13 is the amount of months that this high level of traffic of the Mothman was terrorizing Point Pleasant. We know that 13th uh, was the piece that uh, failed on the bridge. And uh, I'm telling you that Either the Mothman is the cause of all of this bad luck, or, as many have speculated, the Mothman is a messenger to try to warn people of disaster. And just to leave it on a grim and black note, December 15th, 1967, it is the peak of Christmas shopping season. You would say, right, Bob? I would say so, yes. 
the sight that the first responders held when they got there scarred them for the rest of their lives. All you could see after that bridge had fallen into the river was bodies and wrapped Christmas presents floating away. Oh, that's grim. Let's continue this after a word from our sponsors. Hot local moths in your area. You got lamp. They love it. Come get some furry fishnets in your mouth. For only 69 cents a minute, you can call 1-900-GET-MOTH. We're waiting. All right, G-Man, that's a good point. Uh, anything else to touch base on of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, or just Mothman in general before we continue on? Uh, well, yeah, so when we left off, we were talking about the atrocity of the uh, Silver Bridge. And let's go ahead and talk about what happened there. So when the Silver Bridge collapsed, it, it was really weird. It was it was right there, high to Christmas, as you had said. And 46 people fell victim to the malfunction and collapse of it. The only issue is, is that in record of the collapse itself, there is a gargoyle sitting on top of one of the towers, one of the structures on the end. And that's part of the structure? That's the thing. There is no gargoyle there. There is no record of a gargoyle ever being there. It is entirely possible that this was the last event of Mothman. It's really weird that I believe, and there's there's some back and forth on there, that there is not only the photo out there, but there is uh, supposed to be a video out there somewhere where you can see the bridge start to collapse and a black figure. Granted, 60s cameras are kind of garbage, but it's it's what's out there. It's good enough to get that Patty Sam Squanch booty on it. True. True. Give me a Sasquatch with your biggest tits. Uh, great callback <laughs> to the last episode. Yeah, it's a throwback to Season 2, Episode 1, Sasquatch versus Hoax Squatch where we discuss how easy it would be to get a gorilla costume with boobs on it in 1967. Dude, okay. I don't mean to sidetrack here, but in Hollywood, 1960s especially, the prop departments worked their hearts out. They put everything, their heart and soul, into it. I bet they could make it in an hour. Here's the thing there, Boogeyman Bob. You pull up the... Biggest budget, similar thing from Hollywood around the same time. Planet of the Apes movie came out in 1970. Mm -hmm. uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, I believe. Those suits show nowhere near the same detail as the subject caught in the Patterson-Gimlin footage. And in fact, the BBC tried to do a recreation of the footage with all the technology they had in 1967. And you compare it next to Patty. It looks like absolute dog shit. And to go one further, one of the 
claimed hoaxers, a guy named Bob Hieronymus, claimed to have been the guy who wore the Patterson-Gimlin Bigfoot suit. He then went and solicited the man who he claimed made the suit. So the guy who made the suit, the guy who wore the suit, put together a new suit so they, they could recreate the footage. And even their footage looks like dog shit compared to the Patterson-Gimlet Patty footage. I just pulled up pictures. I thought you might have been you know, taking some liberties. That is dog shit. That is... Yeah, the big red. And that's 1998. Uh-huh. Is, yeah, see, that's exactly what we're talking about there, Bob. The only thing they got right is the thickness. Like, both the recreation and Patterson figure have childbearing hips. You know, Dr. Jeff Meldrum had a post this last week after we had made the episode where he pulled up a picture of a very round gentleman and then he pulled up a picture of Patty's buttocks, right? And just to show the way that they, uh, the skin sits on such a large frame literally would have been impossible to do to recreate in 1967. It's consistent with how a biped hominid would sit if it was, say, 700 goddamn pounds and eight feet tall. God, that's interesting. In fact, not to get way too off, now we're talking about Bigfoot, even though I love it, not more than 10 days after that footage was taken, a, a university down there, and I was just had it, so I don't have it up for reference right now, but I could run into the archive and grab uh, the book, Sasquatch Legend Needs Science. The university went out there, and the grad student they took with him was six foot seven. And they put him on the same path. Literally, there were still Bigfoot tracks in the sand. Patty still shows up as taller than a six foot seven huge grad student and is much, much thicker. Put him in the exact same spots because the footprints were still there. Wow. See, that's exactly what we're talking about, Bob. And we can talk about this off record. However, I highly recommend you go back and look into this. I'm really glad that we could bring you on. You are, once again, our favorite intern. And that's why we're showing you this trust to be able to get into this back channel so that we can discuss while we're on assignment in different parts of the area. Understood. Now, I believe we did make a reference during our intermission for the stop that this bridge, I think we said... Young Bob, pull that shit up. Do you have a date on when the Memorial Bridge came up for the Silver Bridge? I do. It's actually astonishing that you would bring that up. Now, the Silver Bridge fell on December 15, 1967. The Silver Memorial Bridge, the replacement, came up and was opened exactly Two years later, December 15, 1969. That's that's just wild to me. What do you think, H? There's just always... This thing to find is you research the paranormal and you research, let's say, uh, things that are on the left-hand path. Everything has a distinct synchronicity to it. 
all you see the same numbers and everything has a rhyme and a reason to it. If history doesn't repeat itself, it sure as shit rhymes. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. I think it's just really astonishing. Fantastic word, by the way. It's incredible how often there's a people out there that say that the Mothman is actually used as a uh, like a warning because he's always there when something is to go wrong. Right before something goes wrong. Right before something goes wrong. As a reference sometimes for when disaster's about to strike. I've said it before in the show about how there was an old native man who spoke to me about these cryptids and how the Sasquatch could be like a guardian spirit of the forest. He also mentioned that the Mothman is a guardian spirit of life because he's there to warn the people of disaster about to strike, a loss of life. I know that there's not much referencing it, but I do believe you spoke to me, H, about a incident where some miners got shooed off from the work site for a day and they came back and why don't you tell me about it? Yeah, I've been looking everywhere to re-dig up this story. What I can remember from it is that it was called the Screecher based off of the noise that it made. But turn of the century, these miners were going to the job site as coal miners, right? And they described a large black winged thing with big eyes yelling at them, standing at the front of the mine. Well, nobody had the gumption to fight off what looked like a literal demon. So they left. They they tried to get their form in. They tried to tell somebody about it. Well, eventually when they went back, lo and behold, the mine that they were about to go work in had collapsed. And I've been searching weeks to rediscover this story that I had found and had heard from Honestly, a couple sources, but anytime I type in monsters or mining, all I get is cryptocurrency and NFTs and other bullshit. Yeah, I'll say it again. Fiat currencies are bullshit. Go check out H's mini in last season. That being said, it really adds on to that theory that the old wise native man told me that the Mothman isn't here to harm us, but more as a warning that something's going to go wrong. Or to not foreshadow too much for the end of the episode. Is the Mothman warning us? Or is the Mothman punished to witness us? Maybe. Want to bring up another story that isn't decidedly Mothman, but sure has all the... uh, telltale signs of Mothman. So if I put you, say, around April 1986, a little area called Pripyat, you know where I'm talking about? Yeah, I know where it is. Well, people who worked at the Vladimir Lenin People's Power Plant there in Chernobyl, 
in April of 1986. Which again is a another astonishing accomplishment of man where it's supposed to be structurally sound and nothing could ever go wrong. In the weeks leading up, the workers at Chernobyl claim to have seen a giant black winged creature with bright red eyes. Even to the point where those in the control room, and if you watch uh, HBO's Chernobyl or look into Chernobyl, those men that were in the control room, not many of them made it much longer after that. They claim to have seen this creature near the reactor leading up to the explosion. And it's a great story. And you could, I wish you could look it up and have a lot of corroborating evidence. But unfortunately, a lot of these people literally melted into hospital beds due to total cell death when the radiation scrambled all of their DNA. No, I completely agree with that. Bob, you got anything that you want to put in on this? I got moth jokes. One more thing before moth jokes. Tell me. The word Chernobyl is very similar to the name of the Slavic deity of the night, Chernobog. Are either of you aware of Chernobog? I actually am. I am not. So, you ever seen that old Disney movie, Fantasia, Night on Bald Mountain? is the segment he's in great movie so yeah you know the big the big monster with the big wings and the horns in fantasia the dark monster with giant black wings and glowing eyes yeah is chernabog deity of the night in the slavic mythology which also lines up with the blackbird of chernobyl which also lines up with the Mothman, which also lines up with the uh, belt buzzard, which also lines up with the Screecher, right? These lords of the night that herald pestilence and plague and doom. It's getting kind of scary. I mean, yes, but also no. All right, take it away from some moth jokes there, Bob. Oh, well, I have one. And it's uh, a classic retelling of classic jokes. This is from known Mothman denier Norm MacDonald. And he mentions a moth that goes into a podiatrist. And they're talking, and he mentions how he's just having issues. And it's all in his head, and he feels sometimes he's, he's just not sure what he's on this earth for what he's doing in life, where he's supposed to be going. He says sometimes he feels like a spider, just hanging on a web. And the podiatrist, having no experience in mental health, says, that's awful. Why did you come here? Why not a psychiatrist? And the moth says, oh, well, I saw the light was on. <laughs> I also love lamp. <laughs> That reminds me of another uh, famous moth on the silver screen. Shout out to my homegirl, Mothra. Yeah. Thick. Yeah. 
Moth Coochie got Godzilla acting unwise. <laughs> so speaking of those other cases of what could have been a Mothman, I've got a few very recent ones. How recent? Uh, all the way up until today, actually. Oh. So from 2011 till today, there's been a large flap of Mothman sightings both in Chicago and it looks like it's picking back up in West Virginia. Are you talking about the Mothman of Chicago? I'm talking about the Mothman of Chicago. So famously, one of the biggest ones that we've seen, you can take a look at where all the sightings of Mothman are and apparently it seems that he's been trying to get the best vantage of the city. And you're like, okay, but Where's the uh, disaster? Where's the calamity? Where's the loss of, of human? Chicago. Yeah, where's the loss of human life? That's well. That's just called Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> but it is said that Mothman has been really enjoying perching at the top of the Willis Tower, which, according to my research, is the largest building in Chicago. And there's one report from 2017 where a man named Guillermo, along with dozens of witnesses claim to have seen a man with wings dive off the top of the Willis Tower, get halfway down, and then fly off. The more I look into this, I am I am actually hearing a lot of sightings about Chicago Mothman. Uh, I've even seen sightings at the Sears Tower. And it would make sense. Mothman hanging out in tall places... You know, the highest heights that he can reach these days, purveying uh, humans before disaster. You got anything to wrap up before we go into the list of theories on what Mothman is that we've been able to find? I mean, no, but the more I'm looking into it, the more your end of episode theory is adding up yeah i called you so excited earlier this last week with my theory on what mothman is and the more we we research it the more it seems it kind of falls into place right you care to illuminate me i will uh, illuminate you at the end all right so the most common theories that i've found right theory number owl that it's an owl just an owl being an owl and these people might have been you know smoking a little bit of the ganja they said they didn't drink but they didn't say they weren't smoking weed it was the 60s right valid and they saw this owl as being four to five times the size of the regular owl right owl with a 12 foot wingspan checks out to me yes yeah, an eight-foot-tall owl that sucks at walking, but can fly with its 10-foot wingspan over 100 miles an hour. Super-fast owl that also runs like Walt Jr. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number two. People point to and dismiss the Mothman as a sandhill crane. Have you seen a crane or a heron? They're pretty tall, lanky birds with pretty large wingspans. The sandhill crane 
does have red spots on its eyes. I was just about to ask, ask that. Yeah, actually. but it's got a prominent head. It's got a prominent head, one. And two, there were no Sandhill Cranes in Point Pleasant, West Virginia in 1967. It was not part of their natural range. Number three, we get into the giant mutant hypothesis, which is briefly touched on uh, when the Scarberries and the Mallets are talking to the newspaper. They think that it could have been some sort of mutant, if I'm not getting that wrong, that lived in one of the old defunct areas. What was From the TNT area. Yeah, what was called the TNT area because that's where they mixed all the chemicals for explosives for World War II. And, you know, maybe it's a giant mutant monster. I do like the idea of there being real monsters in America that aren't just people. Because if Scooby-Doo taught us anything, the real monsters are your neighbors. Well, that you know. Uh, yeah, but, like, isn't that what this whole podcast is about? Is that the, we there are real monsters out there? And none of the bullshit European cryptids? Like, oh, we got gnomes. No, we got freaking Wendigos and Mothman. I appreciate that you're a denier of gnomes. I'm not saying that I'm a denier of gnomes. I'm saying that we have real monsters. I'm saying just based on body weight, they could probably drink a gnome under the table. Yeah, uh, let, allegedly, that. according to the stories, you cannot. I challenge any gnome listening to meet me up at a place of your choosing with a grog of my choice. And we'll see how it goes down. Voicemails are open. Anchor.fm slash invasion of the weird. I got 20 bucks on it. On me or the gnome? Uh, Just on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Towards, right. towards the grog fund. Theory number four. And honestly, in my research, this seemed to be the most prevalent theory, especially around the 60s, that Mothman was some sort of alien creature from outer space. He is technically a UFO. And I'm not. He is a UFO. He's an unidentified flying object. And even in my, uh, my theory we'll get into, technically he is an extraterrestrial because he's from beyond this Earth. But I went all the way back to the legitimate classic of late night radio. Listening to the firsthand accounts of this. In previous episodes, we talked about the likes of, you know, Coast to Coast, Art Bell, George Nery. You got Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis. We'll see how much longer we've got a uh, Alex Jones figure out there. Predating all of these folks was a fellow named Long John Neville on NBC. So this guy, he set up like a middle-of-the-night radio show that he didn't think anybody was listening to. But he had the, at the time, great invention of a party line. So it would be him and a bunch of people on the phone, all on the same call, talking about whatever they were talking about and at the time in 1966 during the main flap before the collapse of the silver bridge and you can go on spotify and find this segment there's only a couple that are saved on there to, to listen to they talk about 
the Mothman. They talk about it in the same breath as some of the other famous alien attacks of the time. One that they really get into, and I would love to do an episode with you boys on, was the attack of the Hopkinsville Goblins, where a farm family saw what could be best described as a goblin crossed with a Pokemon, which landed in a craft and then checked out their farmhouse. They immediately shot it with a shotgun. It went ass over tea kettle and then hopped right back up. And for the next multiple hours, they were besieged by these goblins. And every time it would peek into the window, they would blast it with a shotgun because it was like seven adults and three kids cowering for their lives inside of the cabin there. Eventually, after the siege stopped, the sheriff came out and there was all the signs of a shootout and signs of a battle, but the goblins were nowhere to be seen. Okay, uh, minor theory real quick. We have this goblin siege, but we also have the eight-men siege way back in season one we talked about it in our first Sasquatch episode. Yeah, Sasquatch versus the Mountain, season one, episode one. Season one, episode one. Uh, Do you think we might have already, like, really thinned out these monsters, and now they are just too scared to come out for us? That's a good question. I mean, that'd be a good point if we didn't actively try to reintroduce monsters into areas because they used to be there. Fair enough. I got one more theory to go into before I get into the in-house invasion of the weird theory. But that'll be a message after this break. Attention, Point Pleasant citizens and Denny's customers. Did Mothman eat the ass of you or a loved one? You might be entitled to financial compensation. All right. So theories we already touched on. We touched on an owl. We touched on the Santa Hill crane. Touched on a giant mutant monster. We touched on alien monsters from beyond the stars, as was made popularized in the 1960s. Boogeyman Bob, I know this is your uh, intern first introduction to Invasion of the Weird. How are you feeling on the Mothman so far? You know, I I came in not knowing a lot. I knew that he uh, was responsible, or at least was around for the bridge collapse. However, hearing some of the theories, clearly it's not an owl that was exaggerated to be three to four times the size of a normal owl. Granted, I've taken too much Benadryl and saw a jaguar running across the Pacific Northwest, so anything's possible. But the mutants, the extraterrestrial, something's starting to make sense to me. All right, let's get this real paranormal for you then. Anything you'd add before I talk about the curse on the land laid by the late Chief Cornstalk there, G-Man? Yeah, I've got one more thing to say, and this is just on a lighter note because I like to balance out lightheartedness with our uh, serious talk. You use the word touch on so many times to talk about Mothman just a moment ago. I think you're buying into the Mothman as a sex symbol theory. You know, you read enough Mothman fanfics and you... uh unconsciously just start parroting the lingo you know for research purposes only we are reading mothman fanfics 
All right, go ahead and tell me about the. I like uh, to picture my my Mothman with a nice Fabio haircut and some sweet pecs. Uh, I like to picture my Mothman with some massive lady pecs. <laughs> tell me about the uh, terrifying Chief Cornstalk after Bob tells us about his Mothman. His Mothman. Cellulite. Yeah, Cellulite. his Mothman has fishnet leggings on and you know some chubby stretch marks. Nice. All that you can handle. Nice. This is for research purposes only. Of course. Are you, are you enough of a man to handle all this moth? <laughs> uh, okay, shit. Getting back into uh, the murder. So, a lot of folks will point to the Point Pleasant, West Virginia's plight by referencing the curse laid on the land by the murdered leader of the Shawnee tribe, Chief Cornstalk. And that's a loose translation. His name basically translated to maize plant, but Cornstalk sounds the best to us. So in 1777, American colonist rebels murdered Chief Cornstalk for refusing to help them in their war against the British. And as he lay dying from what I gathered to be about eight gunshot wounds, he gave this curse on the land. Quote, I was the border man's friend. Many times I have saved him and his people from harm. I never warred with you, but only to protect our wigwams and lands. I refused to join your pale face enemies with the red coats. I came to the fort as your friend and you have murdered me. You have murdered by my side, my young son. For this, may the curse of the great spirit rest upon this land. May it be blighted by nature. May it be blighted in its hopes. May the strength of its people be paralyzed by the stain of our blood. Which is terrifying. Absolutely horrifying. And that would explain some of the other supernaturally kind of stuff going on. But... Just a kind of fun fact to blow your mind. According to a cousin of Roger Scarberry, who, as we saw, was in that first November 15th, 1966 encounter, Roger Scarberry would be a direct descendant of Chief Cornstalk. I'm telling you, dude, the First Nations people, they know something that we don't. Any other facts and theories before I get into... What I've been finding all week? I have concerns. What are your concerns there, Boogeyman? If he were to curse the men that killed him, why torture his own ancestor, or his descendant, rather? Well, I would say it's more of like a warning, really. Actually, it, it said that the Shawnee do not live in the area. They would only use the area for hunting from there and on out. I just think that, you know, if my grandfather passed and he was really upset at whatever killed him, that I wouldn't have to pay the penance at some point or another. Well, if you go back to the story, it doesn't say that he hurt the four individuals in the story. He he did stop at the corner of the woods right there on the road, almost as if like shooing them away from it. Interesting. And, we and can that go back area. To the angel theory. 
they they did describe it as like you would an angel. But if it shoot him away, that whole area is contaminated with the chemicals they used in the war. It's a dangerous area to be in. It's now a bird sanctuary. But there are still bunkers full of hazardous chemicals still to this day in the TNT area. It feeds into a lot of theories, I'm saying. You know, even if the Chief Cornstalk curse is real, I don't think it discredits what I'm about to get into. So, I think this is going to be the first time that we've referenced something of significant religiosity in this show. But all of the pins lined up on this one for me. What do we know about... I, I take that back. We did talk about the Great Floods in the last episode of Season 1. We we talked about the Great Floods. We've talked about spiritual beings. Could be ghosts. But we didn't talk too much into like genuine mythologies. Boogeyman Bob, if I were to say the Watchers... Would that ring any bells for you? Not at all. All right. So getting into how the reported sightings of Mothman have seen it as something almost angel-like, something seen that is not fully of this earth, something that kind of doesn't belong, but is also a dark, menacing creature with red eyes, I would like to point to the story of the Watchers. For all intents and purposes, this group was a group of fallen angels. Or in another word, after their fall, what would they be? Demons? Yes. That'd be a fair uh, characterization, G-Man? I, I don't want to speak on behalf of anybody else. I have my own personal beliefs. I feel like there is a large religious factor in a lot of these stories. So I'm going to keep my mouth shut on this. I will say that if you are going to talk about the Watchers, you must be referencing the Book of Ezekiel, and I wouldn't quite call them demons. Well, not even necessarily demons. You know, demons might be a strong word. Angels without the light of grace who no longer have access to the light because they are forsaken. So if you get into the great flood story in Genesis, they talk about how the sons of God or otherwise described as the watchers came down and they made it with mortal women because they loved them. So, and they birthed a race of heroes and men of or of great stature and literal giants called the Nephilim and it was for their corruption that the great flood took place. Right. That's what we get from Genesis. What if I told you that there is a book that is shunned from the canon, which oldest copy we can get back to the year 300, which goes into far more detail on these beings, these angelic beings who have, come down and tainted themselves with the passions of mortal men. 
known as the Watchers. And this this is brought up quite a bit when you talk about the ancient alien theories, bring up the Watchers, uh, the gods coming from the sky, coming down and giving men knowledge of things that they should have never known. So in the book of Enoch, and Enoch is mentioned in Genesis, and Ezekiel builds off of Enoch as well. Enoch goes into the nitty-gritty on what the Watchers did and why they were cast out. So the Watchers, who, as the name implies, were supposed to watch man, decided that the daughters of men were too beautiful to resist. So after going to their leader and convincing him that whatever punishment that they could receive would be worth breaking their vows and going down to earth. Each of these watchers brought knowledge from the heavens that humans were supposed to have never known. And it said that the watchers brought alchemy, they brought astrology, they brought the sciences, they brought the arts. One, a watcher by the name of Azazel, who apparently didn't take a wife, just to go off on a tangent, was only interested in teaching man the art of war was said to have been one of the worst to commit the crime. Absolutely true. I want to stop right there and kind of elaborate on what I said. Uh, when, I, when I'm talking about the book of Ezekiel, the book of Enoch is talks about exactly what you're talking about right now. The book of Ezekiel, as you said, it builds off of what Enoch says because it's more talking about the individual responsibility to God uh, after we had created this... Uh, tangent from his grace according to the book uh so just out there it's just telling you what's what's happening i don't want anybody to think that i'm just an idiot talking out of my butthole on this one go ahead and continue about enoch and so the watchers in order to seduce the fine cave chicks with their big booties brought knowledge to these women to impress them and shared with them witchcraft and sorcery and alchemy and science. The knowledge of paints and dyes. They taught them how to wear jewelry and how to do makeup. All sorts of things that changed the environment. Gave man the ability to mold his own destiny in what was considered a perfect world at the time. And for their sins, a total apocalypse happened which was the Great Flood. And as we mentioned, every civilization around the world has stories of this Great Flood taking place and then humanity having to rebuild from there. And if that gets into the Atlanteans or whatever other ancient civilizations were around, they got wiped out by this flood. There's some reference point to there. But what I want to get into, what really captivated me was there's a section in the Book of Enoch where the Watchers are out. They've been cast aside, and Enoch is told to go to them and describe their punishment. The Watchers ask Enoch to try and stay their punishment and get them back into God's good graces because he's no longer listening to the Watchers. But Enoch has to go back and give him this punishment. And here's what it was. This is uh, verse 12, section 5, 
book of Enoch 1. Then the Lord said to me, Enoch, scribe of righteousness, go tell the watchers of heaven who have deserted the lofty sky and their holy everlasting station, who have been polluted with women and have done as the sons of men do by taking themselves wives and who have been greatly corrupted on the earth, that on the earth they shall never obtain peace and remission of sin, for they shall not rejoice in their offspring. They shall behold the slaughter of their beloved, shall lament for the destruction of their sons, and shall petition forever, but shall not obtain mercy and peace. So, my theory is that this dark figure, if not multiple dark figures, described as angelic, as not of this world, but do not show the same kind of light as any other angelic encounter seems to, for their transgressions, have been forced to watch the calamity of man, never knowing peace or absolution. The first great calamity they watched was that great flood. And now, Mothman, who shows up just in time to witness these great tragedies, and other civilizations thought was the bringer of the tragedies in the first place, is one of these watchers forced to watch the tragedy of what they love most. And what they loved most and what they corrupted themselves for were human beings. Was it not? No, that maps out. What do you think, Boogeyman Bob? My mind's a little blown. You think it kind of pieces together, or? Every culture has these winged, dark omens. Just like, as far as I can tell in my research, there's so many cultures that have this winged, dark omen, and our modern-day one is Mothman, or the Blackbird of Pripyat, Chernobyl, or the Screecher. And what do they do? They're seen, and then they watch a disaster. They're off to the next one. Except for the one that's hanging around Chicago. Dude, that homeboy sees a disaster every weekend. Stays busy. Yeah. He's like, hey, I'm tired of flying around everywhere. I'm just going to perch up top of the tallest building. I'll just watch this happen in the suburbs every weekend. Uh, save the wings some room. Yeah, do you think Batman travels? No, he stays in Gotham. That's where the crime's at. But that feeds into the fact that uh, Mothman is Batman. All right, any of you boys got any other theories or uh, anything to add to the possible Watchers connection? No, I I really like where you have it. I don't want to taint it with any extra information uh, right. at, at this moment. I do have one question. Go for it, Boogeyman Bob. Are there any other cultures or countries or anywhere outside of the United States that have seen or heard of Mothman. Is this native to the North America? Well, I think as we just established earlier in the episode, 
other cultures and other countries have had similar sightings, but they have different names for the same creature. Right, the we, Slavic region has Chernabog uh, all over but, rounds of South America. That's, I see what you're saying. You, you name things based off your lens. So at the time, they had Batman and Killer Moth. So like Mothman, got it. Other places, almost always, it's almost always called a big bird or something angelic, but it's dark instead with big red eyes. And if anything sounds like fallen angel to me, it's dark bird man with red eyes. That fits the description. All right. Well, I yes. think that is plenty good. Uh, yeah. If you have anything else to talk about right now, go for it. Stay away from Chicago. That's just good life advice. Yeah, yeah that's that's fair. Apparently the food's really good. You oh. That's why Mothman stays? No, no. Mothman's there to witness tragedies. And Chicago-style pizza is a tragedy. Who puts the cheese on the bottom? That's... No, oh, you're about to shut off our audience from a, no, that's a no, huge that's metropolitan smartest. area. That's the smartest thing he's ever said. No, uh, I was just talking to a fellow from Chicago, and it's not just the pizza that's really good there. Apparently, there's a large Jamaican population, and they've got just, like, some of the best jerk chicken in America. So you're saying that Mothman loves jerk chicken? Hey, it's possible. Find out next week, I guess. (laughs) Anyway, I'd like to go ahead and thank Boogeyman Bob for being here with us. Thank you for having me. This has been Agent H on Invasion of the Weird, joined by the G-Man. Thanks again. And Bob. Intern Boogeyman Bob for uh, jumping in. See if he makes it to any more episodes or gets put back on work release or not. Well, hopefully he doesn't go around mouthing off in the office. I swear I won't say anything. All right. Good enough for me. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. You can go ahead and send us a voicemail. I know we already talked about it for calling out some gnomes. It's at anchor.fm slash invasion of the weird. You can also find us on Instagram under at invasion of the weird. Go ahead and send us any messages. If you have any nice stories you'd like to tell us, any accounts that you may know of or give us suggestions for episodes you like for us to talk about we are always listening we are always watching such as the job of the men in black see you next time on invasion of the weird